I, uh, on your seats is this month's study, and if you go to the back of the study, you'll see, I can't, uh, what does that say, 44, I think it's this, page 44 has all the church plants that uh, we've invested in for this year, 13% of all the gifts that are given to Good News Church are invested intentionally to plant churches around the world, and so I'm so thankful for your generosity, and I'm thankful for the hard work that Travis and his team put in to helping us serve prayerfully and intentionally movement leaders around the world who are helping us plant churches. So thank you so much for, uh, for, for all of that good news. Uh, isn't it good to be grateful? I, I'm grateful. I, I want to just thank God right now for you being here and for the chance to open his word. So let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are grateful And I pray that you would use your word this morning, that our hearts would overflow with good grace, that our hearts would overflow with the hope of the gospel that we've received, that our hearts would overflow with the opportunity and privilege we have to walk with Jesus now. And oh, Jesus, I pray that you would be at work this morning. We need you. Our world needs you. Our families need you. And I thank you that you are here. You're with us every step of the way. Lord, help the one who speaks and help all who listen to hear with fresh ears and fresh eyes of faith to what you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, have to say to your church today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 2. We're walking through the book of Colossians, and and we come to Colossians 2 this morning. And I'm going to read verses 6 and 7 from Colossians chapter 2. Now, this is God's word to you. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord... So walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. I want to read those those same verses from a slightly different translation. This is Eugene Peterson's translation of the New Testament, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the Master, now live Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're well constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. God's word is so good. Now, I just want to remind you, listen, I am the least likely person to be standing on this stage. I was the least likely convert on my college campus. That's true. 
The person who led me to faith in Christ chose to pray and cultivate a relationship with me because he said, God, if you can save Dave, you can save anyone. I'm the least likely person to come to faith in Christ. I'm the least likely person to ever be here on this stage. I am a gospel-made man. How about you? Are you confident that you're a gospel-made man or a gospel-made woman? Listen, are, are you endeavoring by prayer to build gospel-built kids? Are, are you gospel-made? Because you know the alternative. See, the alternative is all around us. When you open your, your streaming service, Netflix, Amazon, it's filled with stories, origin stories. And all those origin stories tell the story of the self-made man. When you open your social media and you go through all the feeds, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they all tell the same story of self-made men and women. And then the Word of God comes. And the Word of God tells us that we're not self-made. We're gospel-made. I mean, we could try and be self-made, but it doesn't work out very well. That what God intended for us was not to be self-made, but gospel-made. And that's the truth we're going to learn from this passage this morning. Is that everyone needs the gospel every day. That's the point. The point is this. Everyone needs the gospel every day. So who needs the gospel? Everyone. You need the gospel. I need the gospel. Everyone needs the gospel every day. Now let me show you that point in verse 6 of the passage I just read. Paul says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord... So who needs the gospel? Everyone needs the gospel. The lost need the gospel to be saved. Everyone needs the gospel. The, go the, the gospel is the good news that God saves sinners. This phrase, these four letters, Christ Jesus the Lord, it's the only time in all the New Testament that those four words are, are written back to back to back to back. Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, what's the gospel truth in those four words? The gospel truth in those four words is that God saves sinners. That God has done the work for us. We could never save ourselves. The problem with all of our good works is they don't work. They don't work to make us right with God. And so God provided a way to make us right with God, and that way was through His Christ. The one anointed for the purpose of doing what? Saving us. 
God chose to save us through his son, Jesus Christ. He was the Christ. He was the one appointed for the task of saving the lost. He's Jesus. His name means God saves. So he's appointed to the task. He's the anointed one, the Christ, and he's appointed or anointed for saving us. He's Jesus, and he is the Lord, which means that there's no other way of salvation, that there's one way of a salvation for man, and that is through the Lord, the anointed one who saves. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Lord. He's the only one that can save us. And the bad news of the gospel is that we all need to be saved because we're all sinners. But the good news of the gospel is that God has provided his son, Christ, Jesus, the Lord. So that's the gospel in four letters. I mean, four words. Now, what's our part? What do we do with that? Well, we receive it. We receive the the good news of the gospel. Now, the word receive, is, it's the Greek word paralambano. Now, other than the fact that it's fun to say, what does it mean? Paralambano means to receive or to take to oneself. To take to oneself, it means it's more than head knowledge. To take to oneself is, is what... God says to Joseph about Mary. See, Joseph was engaged to Mary, and then he, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And this message is not on that, but it is on this point, that when Joseph was about to divorce her quietly, God comes to Joseph and says, don't do that. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Joseph, don't be afraid to paralambano Mary. Take her to yourself. See, to receive Christ means to come into close relationship with him, to become an intimate with him. Let me illustrate it this way. I'm going to go way beyond my depth here, okay? When a woman gives birth to a child, all the pain that is involved in that childbirth goes away the moment that baby is born and she receives that child to herself. Skin to skin, heartbeat to heartbeat, close, infant, intimate, near relationship. That's what it means to receive Christ. It's not head knowledge. It's not temporary faith. No, it's saving faith. It's receiving Christ bringing him into the very center of our lives. Do you know Jesus that way? The promise of Scripture in John chapter 1, verse 12 is this, that to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Everyone needs the gospel, and sinners, lost people, need the gospel to be saved. To receive Christ means that we become children of God. We receive a new status, 
the rights and privileges of a child of God become ours when we receive Christ, when we experience that close, intimate, personal relationship with Him. Do you have a relationship like that? So we, the lost need the gospel, and we all need the gospel to go on walking with Jesus. It goes on, it says, Paul says, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Keep going with him. You see, there was a point in my life when I was born. Now for me, that was May the 3rd, 1970, and all my life, I was moving towards that day when I would receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. Now, it didn't seem like I was moving towards him all that time. There were many, many, many days when it seemed to me and to my family and to people who loved me that I was going off, doing my own thing. But from God's perspective... By his grace, every day was one day closer to the day when God knew that I would receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. So many things happened in those years, but there was a day when I received Christ. And now, having received Christ Jesus, the Lord, all of my life since then is with Jesus, with Jesus, walking with him. So, I was born, I was moving toward the day when I was born again, I trusted Christ, and now I walk with Christ. And it's all of grace. It's all by the good news of the gospel. I began with the gospel, and I keep on going in the truth of the gospel, that I have a good Savior, Jesus Christ. I have a loving Father. I have the grace of the Holy Spirit operating in my life now. It's all of grace. It's all the gospel. Everyone needs the gospel every day. Now, I want to go to verse 7. And in verse 7, we're going to change gears a little bit. And we're going to move from understanding the point, which is that everyone needs the gospel every day, to talking about our action step for this week. And our action step for this week is this, to apply the gospel to every area of our life. If everyone needs the gospel every day, then then the work of grace in my life is, is to see where I need to apply the gospel every day to my life. So where do we need the, what, what can the gospel do in our lives today, this week? How can we apply it? Well, Paul gives us ways to apply the gospel to our lives. He says, having been firmly rooted in him. Paul says that when we trust Christ, Christ plants us deeply into him. That the Christian life is a life that draws power from Jesus Christ. I start with Jesus and I keep going with Jesus. Now here's how Francis Schaeffer says it in his book, True Spirituality. 
I became a Christian once and for all upon the basis of the finished work of Christ through faith. That's justification. The Christian life, sanctification, operates on the same basis, but moment by moment. There's the same base, Christ's work, and the same instrument, faith. The only difference is that one is once for all, and the other is moment by moment. And so every moment to apply the gospel to every area of life is to live moment by moment, rooted down, deep into Christ. James uh, Frazier, who was a missionary to China in the early part of the last century, he wrote this. The, the plants of our Heavenly Father's planting will grow better under His open sky than in the hothouses of our feverish effort. It is for us to water and to water diligently, but we cannot give the increase, however hard we try. See, I'm rooted in Christ. That's how I apply the gospel to my life. My roots go down deep. You, you remember last month when we had winter? It was like a week long. It got really cold. Remember winter? I lost so many plants in those couple days. I mean, they just turned, they all turned black, the leaves fell off, and they just went away. But you know what's happening now? Now they're all coming back. There's new growth, there's new leaves, and there's the hope of new flowers. Why? Because they, the roots didn't die. The leaves died, the branches died, but not the roots. And we have been rooted in Christ. We draw life from Him moment by moment. That's how we apply the gospel. We're rooted in Christ and we're now, Paul goes on and says, firmly rooted and now being built up in Him. Now he changes metaphors. He goes from an agricultural metaphor now to a construction metaphor. And he says, you're rooted down, but you're being built up. You're being built up. Now, C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, he writes this about this building up that we have in Jesus, in the gospel. So imagine yourself... Lewis says, a living house. And God comes to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right, stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on. You know that those jobs needed doing. So you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably, and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting in an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage. 
but he is building a palace. And he intends to come and live in it himself. How do we apply the gospel to every area of our life? We root down and we let ourselves be built up. We let God, the Holy Spirit, go to work. He'll bring the tools. He'll bring the paint. He'll bring the equipment. And he'll go to work on us. And sometimes, sometimes we'll say, what are you doing? And he'll say, trust me. I'm good at this. I know how to build. I know how to build well. We're being rooted down, built up. Then he goes on. How do we apply the gospel to our lives every day? Well, by being established in your faith. Now, faith in and of itself doesn't do anything. Faith is an empty, open hand ready to receive from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all that He can do for us, in us, and through us. The posture of faith is one of receiving. That means that the Christian life is not something that we achieve in our own strength, but that the Christian life is something that we receive. To be established in the faith is to receive everything we need through Christ, by Christ, and to live now for Christ with what He provides. Rooted, built up, established in the faith. And then He goes on and He says, and instructed, just as you were instructed. Now, who's the instructor? Jesus. Jesus is the instructor. He's the one who answers the big questions that our hearts ask. Our hearts want to know, who am I? And Jesus answers that. And our hearts want to know, where do I belong? And Jesus answers that. And our hearts ask, what's my purpose? And Jesus answers that. And our hearts ask, where am I going? And Jesus comes and he answers that. You need to be instructed by Jesus to apply the gospel to every area of life is to be instructed on the big questions of life and to let that change how we think about ourselves and where we belong and why we're here and where we're going. And then he says, and overflowing with gratitude. He says that we should be like the one leper out of ten who were cleansed by Jesus. In Luke 17, Jesus came upon a group of ten leprous men, and they come and they fall at Jesus' feet, and he heals all ten of them. And they go away, and all but one keep going, and one comes back and says, thank you. I know that as parents, we can forgive so many things that our kids do. But the one thing I've observed that's very, very difficult for us to forgive and bear patiently with is ingratitude. I know for most parents, to be ungrateful is almost an unpardonable sin. 
And God is amazed. Jesus is amazed that one, only one, comes back and falls at his feet and gives glory to God, thanking him for what had been done for him. And the word for gratitude is the word eucharis. Eucharis means good grace. It's the word used to describe this supper that we're going to eat later on in the service. It means to to give good, make good on the grace that's been given us by saying thank you. Giving glory to God and, and with gratitude in our hearts. That's the motive for applying the gospel to every area of our life. Not to merit anything out of ourselves, but to just demonstrate in gratitude all that God has done good for us by his grace. So, we want to apply the gospel to every area of our life. And we've said that we have to be rooted down and built up. We have to be um, established in the faith, receiving everything from him. We have to be instructed by Jesus, and then we overflow with thanksgiving. Now, I'm a husband, and so I'm going to apply the gospel that we've just learned from verse 7. I'm going to apply it to my life as a husband. So as a husband, I want my life as a husband to be rooted in Christ. You know what that means? It means that I've received Christ. I have Jesus in my life as a intimate, close friend. And the only way that I can ever husband well is if I'm husbanded well by my Savior, Jesus. The only way that I'm ever going to be able to love my wife well is if I see how well loved I am by Jesus. The only way I'll ever be able to serve well is if I see how well served I am by Jesus. I, I tap my roots into the source of life in Jesus. That's how I'm able to husband. And then I let Jesus build me up as a husband. And you know what that means? It means that I don't put any limits on what Jesus can do in my life as a husband. I've talked to so many couples over the years. And somewhere along the way, one spouse has said to the other, one has said to the other, oh, you, you know, you knew what you were getting into when you married me. I don't know why you're complaining. You knew exactly what kind of person I am. Don't do that. Don't underestimate the power of the gospel. Listen, my wife has been married to five men. And they're all me because I have not limited what God is willing and able to do through the gospel. He is changing me. He has changed me. And I have no idea the kind of palace that he wants to make of my life for him to come and live in. So I don't limit what God could do in my life as a husband. I say, Father, build me up. Make me what you want me to make me. And I want to do it by faith. Every one of these arrows is is our being established in our faith, 
receiving grace after grace after grace from Jesus. Father, I receive from you. Jesus, help. I need to receive from you. If I'm ever going to have a shot at being a husband, I need to receive life from you. Jesus, help. I pray that prayer dozens of times every day. Jesus, help. Then Jesus says, let me teach you. Let me teach you. You're a husband. But your real identity is you're a Christian husband. See, I'm not a husband that goes to church. I'm not a husband that's in small group. No, I'm a Christian husband. I'm a Christ follower first, and then I'm a husband. And Jesus gives me a new identity, and he gives me a new place to belong. See, the reason why I've been able to stay married is because I've stayed in a community of people. You know how good it is to live in a city where I run into people I know everywhere I go? You know how much that keeps me from wrecking my life? You know what else keeps me from wrecking my life? Not only has Jesus given me a place to belong, he's given me a purpose. And the reason why I don't wreck my life as a husband is because it would do dishonor to Jesus and it would break his heart and it would defame the church and it would cause the gospel to be unbelieved in the world. That's why I don't wreck my life. Because God's given me a purpose and he's given me the hope. He's given me the hope that one day I'm going to be with the one I love, Jesus. And my wife is going to be with the one she loves, Jesus. And we're going to see him. And when we do, when we do, we will become like him. And everything that's sad and broken in this world will come untrue. And the hope that that's where I'm headed encourages me now to keep going as a husband. Now that's how I apply the gospel in one area of my life as a husband. Now how could you do it? How could we do it in every area of life this week? How could you apply the gospel in your singleness, rooted down, built up, established in your faith, instructed by Jesus, and overflowing with thanksgiving? How could you do it in your life as a parent? How could you do it in your life as one who goes to work? How could you do it in your life as as a student, as an athlete? Where can you apply the gospel rooted down, built up, established in your faith, instructed by Jesus, and overflowing with thanksgiving. Where do you need it? You can have it. Because everyone needs the gospel every day. And when we believe the gospel, we're saved. And when we become the gospel, oh, we can apply the gospel to every area of our lives. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. We give glory to God that you sought us and you saved us 
And that all our lives you were bringing us to that day when, when we would come to believe in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And, and every day since then, you've been working in our lives, helping us walk with you. Oh, Jesus, from beginning to end, it's all of grace. It's all by the gospel. Lord, help us to live today in view, applying the gospel to every area of our lives. And listen, if you're here this morning and you've never put your trust in Christ, won't you just say to him now, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the dead. And I turn from my sin and I trust in you. Come into my life as Savior and Lord. And help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus where would you have us apply the gospel to our lives? Holy Spirit, would you speak definitely to each person here, watching online, listening to this message? Would you speak, Holy Spirit, and show us where we need the gospel? Jesus, that we've been rooted and built, established, instructed, and now overflowing with thanksgiving, we say thank you in Jesus' name.